2: Crazy ways are evident.
3: The way you wear your clothes.
1: If I stay with you, girl.
0: Welcome to Almost Famous Minute, where we're discussing the 2000 Cameron Crowe film Almost Famous. One minute at a
4: time. I'm Eric Nash from Watchman Minute. Uh, I'm Pete Mubert from the Indiana Jones Minute.
2: And I am Jerry Porter from the Indiana Jones Minute as well.
4: <laughs> it's the Jones Boys. Yes. <laughs> it's
2: like the the, the Hardy, hardy Boys, but a lot dumber. Yeah. <laughs> and less curious. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Maybe a little more formulaic, too.
2: Yeah.
0: Don't get in too much trouble <laughs> that way, right?
2: <laughs> <If you're not laughs> curious. Yeah.
0: Um, so this is a minute 28 here uh with with uh jerry and pete and it starts with the intro to fever dog and ends with russell playing a solo so this is right up jerry's alley right come on
2: <laughs> oh yeah i've been playing fever dog for you know since 1973 um actually you know it's great i mean you listen to fever dog which let me ask you uh Mm -hmm. do you you like fever dog as a song
0: especially out of the various stillwater songs yeah i i like i definitely like it the best it's okay it's it's got that uh you know that harder rock sound more than i think the others the others have are a bit softer and I'm, i'm i prefer that that's for sure
2: it's you know it's i mean it's obviously like a led zeppelin you know. okay yeah. yeah it's obviously a led zeppelin i mean no, number one it, it's called fever dog Not, you know like black dog yeah yeah and mm-hmm. and and also i mean the vibe of it certainly drum wise is is when the levee breaks mm-hmm. you know the the, the 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 one of the most iconic beats and the, and this is like that beat do, do you guys want me to do that again
0: Oh no, you're good. Is somebody sampling that? So maybe for the next fever dog hit.
2: (laughs) But um and then it has it opens with like a big drone, like when the levee breaks. And and it's like a slow Mm -hmm. halftime thing. And so um I I, I love I think it's great. I actually I think the scene is great. It captures that and like you know, with the lead singer scratching it, you know. (laughs) it's ridiculous he's gonna say fever dog i mean (laughs) you know just yelling out fever dog but it's also great so that's not easy to do this
4: this seems like a it seems like a really difficult thing to do to create a fake like when you're when you make a movie and you create a fake band or a fake like painter or a fake artist or you know this is the greatest first sentence in a novel and they have to write it then for the novel like that seems like you're really setting yourself up for disaster with that but it feels like they did a pretty good job Mm -hmm. with that here
0: well and i don't think they're they're supposed to be a great band they're up and they're an up-and-coming band and uh you know there's definitely all these other bands that are real throughout this that we get a little taste mm -hmm. of more just in the very next minute you know and we've already had some uh some jethro tall and some yes and stuff playing diegetically in the background um but yeah it's you know i so 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 i don't know if song, if you guys know this so a essentially the main writer say of the song probably really should be eh, well it's it's i think apparently it's really it's truly is credited to nancy wilson of Heart, but peter frampton had a big play in it too um so oh. with, with all with all of their songs really
4: Okay. Um, wow.
2: Yeah. It's so,
0: so while they're not necessarily either, well, I mean, I don't know. Heart, heart probably has more of a claim to a harder sound than Brampton <laughs> does. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a matter of, I think the way Cameron Crowe positioned how this fake band would be tr- truly not not just right in the midst of being great, but you know having this possibility of being becoming great. Mm-hmm.
2: Well no, I, I mean every like watching it now it makes perfect sense. You're like I don't know. It's it's hard. I don't know. It's hard to take mm-hmm. fever dogs seriously. But it's <laughs> I mean but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I know that you know there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of great bands back then that had massive Hits and were played and toured, you know, big venues and arenas, and they had all sorts of fever dogs. Yeah, and yeah. that that was just the way. That was just music. You know what I mean? That was just like check yeah. out this this new hot sound. Uh-huh. And yeah. you can let you go. Oh man, like this is like a like somebody wrote a you know like a Led Zeppelin tune. Like a, it's 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 bordering on parody. But you're like, yeah, but that's not. I mean, Fever Dog could have been an absolutely huge hit. That's just how yeah. it was back then. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um and then and so the next thing, the next thing to to note is that uh for the vocals it's not Jason Lee. <laughs> yeah. Um it's uh, Marty Fredrickson. Mm. He's certainly very much in the industry but never having really done anything huge as
2: well, it sounds like he's almost yeah. famous. Yeah right. So I I just want to say, you know, the I I love the drummer. He's 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 because they have a couple Uh of shots of him in 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 this you know in this scene and like he hits hard, like he hits Uh like a fever dog, like a feverish dog, and and it's kind of great. I mean, that's what I like. You see a lot of drummers depending on obviously the genre. It's not appropriate, Um, obviously for every gig, not at all. But if you're in Stillwater, you better hit pretty hard. They're coming out like that. They got the, they got the, the jeans that are like, you know, size 28.
4: <laughs> like, you know,
2: the, 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 waist is 28, 26. Yeah. And, the, and, and is their actual waist
4: is 32 or 34.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you're like that dude, because there's a couple shots where he does the, like he hits the symbol on the left and on the right. And he like throws down. He's like the who you know the dude who's playing the drums. You're like, yeah, that guy's great. He's a great drummer, yeah. and he's a great drummer for this for this scene. And they have uh, and for Stillwater, he's he's just nailing. I mean the the kit that he's playing is an iconic drum set. That is, I mean, there's only one guy who really plays the Ludwig Amber Vista Light, and that is John Bonham. Yeah, and so you see that because I was kind of curious, and I was like, oh, they went like just with the like the the blue chip stock of right there like not a, like that is John Bonham that's his kit except that he had one rack tom and two floor toms and the drummer from Stillwater has two two rack toms and two floor toms but you're like that's the color it's the brand it's obviously huh. the groove yeah He actually, I mean, John Bonham actually had a few, I mean, he's such a, you know, one of the biggest drummers he's ever lived. So he had a few different eras that Mm -hmm. he had iconic kits. Like he had a, he always played Ludwig, but he had a green sparkle. The, you know, he had, I think he had a champagne sparkle. And then famously he had what was a a very rare drum set called uh, a stainless steel kit. It was a Ludwig drum set that was stainless steel, not wood. And they're really rare. They go for pretty good money and they sound really boingy
4: because it's yeah, steel. Does it sound like a, <laughs> it is like the guy playing the steel drum, like on the street? Is it like the.
2: It's, you know what? It's it's a little bit more lively and it's harder to control no. and harder to dial in, in a way because of steel and it's not as warm. It doesn't have the warmth of wood, but here's the real irony of, of it all is like, people make such a huge deal of what drum sets are made of. Oh, this is birch with an inner and outer ply of oak for projection. I mean, you put a head on it and it's like doing, you know what I mean? I, you know, or, or if you, if it's, if you put a different head on or you detune it, it goes, do. and it's like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of your, those are sort of your options. And it doesn't, it's just funny because people spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on marketing. You need to have uh-huh. yeah. a maple kit with a birch inner ply. And it's like, well, but when you put a head on, it goes doing.
4: <laughs> can you tell the difference, huh. Jerry? Are you like a, a wine connoisseur? Like, a, can you hear a maple birch combination or like a an oak ash combination and tell what, what the difference is?
2: That's a good question. It were certain woods do have sonic properties. Like birch is focused, so it doesn't ring out as much. So it's actually a, a lot of people like it in the studio where you want to control overtones to get a cleaner sound. But oh, okay. uh it, what what it has in like what it what it promotes in terms of focused, clean attack, it loses or lacks in warmth. So and yeah, sometimes you can hear that. Um, and ash, you mentioned ash. Ash is really dry. So if you have a snare drum that's made of ash, it's like, K-! and that it stops. Like it doesn't decay. There isn't a big, it doesn't go like, mm. K-! it just kind of stops. It goes, K-! so you can hear that. But there are so many other factors that go into play, like, what head is on, and a lot of people don't ever think about that, how you tune the head and what head it is oh. might even be like seventy or eighty percent, maybe ninety percent of your tone. Oh. oh, and then obviously, who's playing it
4: wow. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm the guy i'd I'd like spend like ninety percent of my time working on the gear and then get it just exactly right, and be like, oh, I wonder if I should take a drum lesson. Yeah, there you go.
2: Well, and this, I mean, as you can see, the the, the Ludwig Amber Vistalite, that is famously made of acrylic. So he's playing oh. like a plastic drum set. Wow. <laughs> it's, yeah, he's playing an acrylic drum set, which is, you know, what John Bonham played. Oh. Which the properties are darker and loud. Huh. So that was a deep dive deep dive in oh, yeah. the drum set <laughs> <Wonderful>.
0: <laughs> um so now so other things i think you could maybe provide a little insight to also is is like uh i mean say like these lights that we see hanging there Yeah. i mean do you think do you think that's 70s era was that was that kind of what what you i mean i as far as the light? I,
2: I I wasn't performing at age three. Well, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I I kind of well, at least not not like that. On safe. I mean, I think they kind of nailed a lot of this. I I have mm-hmm. to go back and look. I mean, certainly what it was is everything. You know, is you know there was there was so much money behind music and in the industry, as you can see in this movie. Like Stillwater's not even that big of a band, right? Right. right. Mm-hmm. They're not, a, but they're flying yeah. on a plane. They're, they, they're, they're on the tour bus. They got, you know, who, like the groupies are around, like who's buying all, who's buying, you know, what is it? Is it, is it the band-aids, right? right. Is that, yeah. it? who's buying all their food? Everything's catered. <laughs> Every, all, you know, I'm just saying there's, 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 everything was done, uh, you know, in, in a large mammoth, you know, and it was writ large. And that's true about the lights. That's yeah. true about the stage. That's, you know, it was kind of a no, no, it expense spared uh-huh. so you know it it i mean that looked correct to me
4: was it is it changed a lot like it's i'm, I'm i mean i i've seen how you tour, jer so i'm guessing things are a little bit different today
2: uh you know the i don't notice a big difference in lights. i, I, I light like like
4: yeah like the big bus and the plane and the catering and the well there
2: you know what yeah the big <laughs> The big bus. and Well, for me, if I go out solo, no, I'm still in the plane. But (laughs) no, I mean, yeah, I I do think a a lot of touring has has, has changed unless you're like what they call like a legacy act or, you know, that you're 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 super, you know, you're well established and that sort of thing. I mean, one of the where all that money came from was, you know, record labels. Record labels would, you Mm -hmm. know, which we see in this movie, they would they would, uh, you know, essentially front the band or loan the band money to go out and get new gear and to get like makeovers or awesome clothes or to put them in the hotel downtown and throw a party. And it's literally an investment, you know, to to get them on the cover of Rolling Stone or all the payola stuff to get their get their single spun, whatever it was. so. You
4: know, um were there a lot of bands that like had a lot of parties and got a lot of clothes and then the, the record label just ate a lot of money, like they didn't sell all the it very time. Well and, huh. All so the time. It, it was a crapshoot.
2: Yeah, it it was. That's it, that's, it, what, it,
4: that's but, how come you get uh
2: mean
0: mean uh record label heads like the one in uh or the two that we've seen this past year, the one in Bohemian Rhapsody played by Mike Mike Michael Myers, hmm. and uh then the more recent uh uh Rocket Man one. I forget who that might have been
2: well see what's what's interesting is for for every elton john yeah. it's it's very much like movies for every elton john there's you know he's paying for you know maybe thirty or forty. Still waters that are still birthed. <laughs> you know, they just somebody they they had the whole thing behind them. Still, they had the clothes and the shows and the the, you know, they they would have the the parties and the the van, you know, the bus and the tour and, but it just whatever didn't take on or maybe they broke up or it, one of the cruelest craziest things that record labels famously do, but put a lot of money behind your album and. You know, they promise you the world. And then, if they didn't think that it was going to generate a ton of cash or be the next thing, you know, if they didn't think that you were going to be the next Led Zeppelin or, you know, the next The Cure or U2, whatever it is, they would shelve your album. Mm -hmm. So every single thing would go out and be done or close to completion, album artwork and the cover, and they would just shelve (laughs) it and never release it.
4: And that that was it. I like movie studios, like yeah, they just yeah. eat the investment because they're like, we're not going to make it back. So it, it's cheaper now not to market it and not to yeah.
2: exactly. They'd say we've we've lost seven hundred thousand dollars on doing this album, but that's nothing compared to if we put out, you know, if we went full steam ahead, and we'd lose four million.
4: That's how I feel about our podcast. Uh-huh. Like if someone were. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> We've lost enough already. Well, I mean, I-
2: <laughs> or that's I mean, but to answer your question, obviously, the uh, the entire industry has changed, and the paradigm huh. with the way people make music and consume music has has you know changed drastically in the last uh, twenty years, um, mm-hmm. and even ten years, of course. And 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 one of my favorite, like, I think one of the touchstones of the new era. You know, one of one of the pivoting points was, you know, Lars Ulrich, the drummer for Metallica, famously, um, when Napster came out, he, you know, he he was uh, pilloried for saying. Um, you know, come on, these kids, these people out there are stealing our album. It mm-hmm. cost us $5 million, you know, to make this album, whatever it was. I think it was $5 million, To make this record, it took us, you know, a year and a half. We went into the studio. We worked hard. We pulled out. We did our creative best. Like, we really took it seriously. And people are stealing our product. They're stealing it. And, I mean, everybody laughed at Lars, like, you know, just like, can yeah. you imagine a rock star a millionaires complaining about this. But of course he was right. And that that's what's amazing like Napster or LimeWire or whatever it was everybody back then would just they stole the music they would just rip music nonstop and still do and so that was like a 9.5 earthquake in the industry <laughs> uh-huh.
4: <laughs> where all the buildings <laughs> crumble. It's funny cuz Lars took all the heat but it seems like the people that took all the, the punishment are the, the bands that were coming later, the up and coming bands that weren't making a lot of money or weren't famous yet because they were never going to make a lot of money or get famous.
2: It You know, it's a it's a it's a fascinating thing because, you know, everybody wanted to throw tomatoes at Lars, of course. But, it, you know, he 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 was right, yeah. even if you don't like it or you don't have to care. I, I feel like, you know, he had a point you're stealing. But nobody—that's what's so funny. Nobody cared about that. Just no one cared. <laughs> Everybody chose to steal.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I think that's more related to like my, my second favorite band, first, first favorite Beatles, second favorite uh, Radiohead. I mean, wow. they were a more up and coming band, like you're talking about after Metallica was. Um, and you know, they they understood the technology so much better, and 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 the and the and the mindset of the younger yeah. people at that point. Um, and, you know, I mean, they, they uh, uh, famously famously or infamously, you know, did their pay what you want album. They released one yeah. that way. And then just this past week, as of the recording here, um, they were apparently, it was rumored, apparently that they were going to get uh, uh, like ransomed or something over a bunch of recordings, you know, the, archives uh, archived on mini disc recordings <laughs> from back uh, during the okay computer sessions. And you know, the, the, uh, the mid late nineties there. Um, and they just decided to put it out on their Bandcamp page. And and for like 18 pounds, which is about equivalent of r- roughly like 20, $25. I went ahead and paid for that. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's like 18 or, or 18 or like 10 ish around 10 or somewhere. I mean, it's, it's many hours of music. Yeah. I've I've only listened to a small fraction of it so far, but but I went and got it because I'm that much of a Radiohead fan. But but um, yeah, I mean they, they 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 you know they they just underst- understand and they can act fast. They are fast on their sure. feet because yeah, they yeah. deal with their website and their you know yeah every yeah. day practically.
4: It, it seems like that kind of changes what it means to be a musician. Like in the 70s, yeah. you could be a musician and you just wake up you know at three in the afternoon and <laughs> you smash the hotel room a little bit and you go play the show and you get your cool clothes and you know, it's great. But now you've got to do all that, but then you've also got to like get onto Facebook, get onto Instagram. You got to market yourself. Uh-huh. You got to figure out how to like, it seems like it's a completely different, you've got a whole different skill set you have to have in yeah. addition to being the rock star.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah, it's a, there's a whole, you know, all sorts of, uh, you can now get a degree and, you know, social media.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's,
2: you know, I mean, basically, the industry had to adapt, and I think we're still seeing that. And, you know, there's still money to be made. It's just it's distributed differently. And the responsibilities and the priorities are uh, uh, have changed, you know, Uh, mm -hmm. and and it's crazy. It's crazy straddling the two eras. I mean, growing up one way and then seeing where it is now, it's very different.
0: Well, um, what do you think of uh the uh the girl in the audience on on probably probably her boyfriend, but you never know. <laughs> on, on, on someone's shoulders, <laughs> clapping well, and singing along.
2: What I noticed she's clapping on one and three.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's kind of that's that's kind of a whole lifestyle right there. <laughs> clapping on one and three.
0: And um and and you know kind of one of the things I wondered about was you know I mean well she's if she's an extra or an actor I have no idea it's it's you can't really I mean there's no actual line of dialogue you can find and help try try to help match up but um uh, unlike the want to get high guy um, earlier uh you know it's it's a matter of I kind of wondered did they play the song prior you know, play it through once, at least once <laughs> to get them used to it, to to show them the lyrics or what have you. Okay. This, these are the lyrics. You need to sing mimic or, you know, mime these words, something <laughs> while we, while we capture you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Or, no, they, no, or, right, or is right. it really just
0: a big, a big crowd and they just, they just caught them having fun and just f- happened to find this one and it worked out well.
2: Yeah, I, I was just gonna say. I thought it. Was, I think it's a great scene. I think they capture yeah. they capture what it's like to be at the side of the stage with Williams there with Penny Lane, and like uh-huh. they, they, like there's a ton of energy, and like the dude on stage turns around, Russell, and he looks <laughs> at William, uh-huh. and you're like, "Damn!" And you kind of they convey you like, "Damn, I'm <laughs> up on stage. I'm up on stage. <laughs> that dude just looked at me. I'm on stage," you know. And it's just it's it, they, they it's a great scene.
0: And yet and yet, he, you know, William is taking taking time to write in his notebook the words Fever Dog again, because he already has it written once above <laughs> from, from his earlier talks with Russell or uh, uh, Jeff BB or someone. But um, but uh, yeah. and that's when Penny takes his pen or pencil, whatever it is, away. He's like, no, this is wrong.
4: You're not doing it right.
0: <laughs> to you me, that feels fun.
4: a lot like uh, doing a Movies by Minutes podcast. Like I, okay. I feel like kind of like William were piggybacking on somebody else's <laughs> yeah. art. Like I I'm sitting down, you know, writing the movie opens with the sheer thunder of the Paramount Mountain. And I like, it's funny because I'm just sitting there instead of watching the movie, I'm taking notes about the movie. <laughs> Which is kind of mm-hmm. what Williams I I sort of identify yeah. with William here. I see that.
2: <laughs> right, right, right. That's see, that's funny. I, I like it because I mean it's one of those classic, it, it basically Shows you where he comes from and his character, and you know she's just totally like, just live it, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> which,
2: which is which is which is actually a great little moment too.
4: Yeah, I've got kind of a bad feeling though about his uh, his fifteen year old feelings as he's standing there staring at her. <laughs> I, he's I, I i i will confess i've only seen the first 30 minutes of this movie nope. so i'm not sure what's coming next but i i, I have a feeling he might get, get some have some heartache in his future mm-hmm.
2: oh well you both you and, <laughs> and and you know william have a lot to learn peter
4: <laughs> you got that right <laughs> <laughs>
2: which is that's why there's a fun scene
4: <laughs> it's funny though because i like i i i've I've always been a William in life, like a kind of like I've identified with Nick Carraway much more than I'll ever identify with Jay Gatsby, like I've always been the guy observing on the side rather than the guy doing the crazy thing
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay well um is there are there more more notes that either of you have i've feel like i've uh gotten through everything we we've we've talked hit on everything I was interested in for this minute,
2: yeah, me too. Yeah
4: yeah i i feel like i tasted every hair of the fever dog <laughs> <laughs>
2: gross
4: that's the lyrics of the song <laughs> it's,
2: it's, it's, it's I mean.
4: yeah it's disgusting
2: it's <laughs> <That's laughs>
4: hilarious
0: <laughs> um so so that's this uh brings us to our uh our weekly segment for for our first for our new new uh guests um so Pete and Jerry, here's your first time hearing uh the four bands that make up are believed to make up uh, Stillwater and I'm going to ask you to rank rank them f- from favorite to least or vice versa either way it's fine so here here they are in alphabetical order too so not to show try to show any bias um, <laughs> almond Brothers band, Eagles, Led Zeppelin, and leonard skinnard what you, what you got Jerry?
2: God, that's really, really hard. Yeah. Almond Brothers, Led Zeppelin, Eagles, Leonard Skinnerd. Well, this is, I'm going to go. God, that's really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Because I'm saying, well, come on, there's a no brainer. Led Zeppelin, number one. Okay. Yeah. But there's like, there's like an itch. There's an itch in my lower back that goes. But you, what if you like the Eagles songs a little better? Yeah. <laughs> the Eagles have such great vocals, yeah, like yeah. I mean, and look, let's be clear, everybody is sick of all of those bands <laughs> number one, except maybe not, maybe not the Allman Brothers, but like we've all been exposed to the Eagles, you know, Led Zeppelin, like ten billion times. It's hard to even just hear them naturally or organically these days Mm -hmm. um i'm gonna go led zeppelin (laughs) the eagles god the allman brothers are so good though (sighs) i like the vibe of the allman brothers better than the eagles but i like more eagles song (laughs) and then last is leonard (laughs) skinnerd so, Zeppelin, Eagles, Almond Brothers, Skinnerd. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm confident <laughs> with that. I feel good.
4: Okay, I'm gonna go Almond Brothers, Zeppelin, Eagles, Leonard Skinnerd. Oh, okay. Yeah, Very cool. Well, if you if you, if wow. you throw in way of the Sorcerer, maybe the Eagles will bump up a notch.
2: But you know what? The Eagles are always the made. But- They're they're like yeah, they're 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 definitely
0: they're definitely the one that's made the most
2: fun of. Yeah, the Eagles are made the most fun of, but when you listen to like the beginning of Seven Bridges Road, Mm -hmm. you're like, I can't make fun of these guys, no one can make fun of these guys. (laughs) (laughs) Like they sing it live perfectly. You're like, there's I mean, there's like three or four dudes in the band who could all be lead singers. And that, I feel like saying, that's hard. it's hard to find any band at all with one good lead singer. (laughs) Like, that's almost impossible to find a band with a great lead singer. Like, they go out in the world, and you go, here, kid, here's $500. Go find a lead singer. It's like, I mean, if you could do that, then there'd be a billion amazing bands everywhere. There'd be Led Zeppelins (laughs) and Eagles all over the place, all the time. It wouldn't be special.
4: Yeah, that's good.
2: Go, go find Freddie Mercury. I mean, it can't be that hard. <laughs> <laughs> or Tom York. Go find Tom York. I mean, I saw that guy play live, and it was, it was crazy. He sits down at the piano, and he starts singing, and you're like, oh, my God, it's a song. There's nothing else. Nobody else is doing anything, and this is a complete full song. Like, no one else has to come in. Nothing else has to happen. This is a complete full song, just standing alone by itself, as if it existed for 10,000 years. I mean, that's almost impossible to find somebody who can do that. Yeah.
0: Well, that's that's a great, I think, first minute for the week with you guys. That's uh, I can't wait for, you know, because I think these next two minutes – not quite as much, you know, music intense. I mean, there's sure. there's 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 some music in the background as there is almost every minute of this movie. There's actually earlier on there were there were a couple minutes here or there that were were pretty silent of music, but um, but the whole rest of the movie it's 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 awfully good. There's always some in the background, but but and there's there's other little shots of concert stuff too, you know, about, or, or yeah. in, in hotel room, you know, <laughs> little little playing, you know, little mm-hmm. little. Uh, the folks, the folk in a room, just uh, singing out loud, along yeah. together, just to have a good time, um, not making the money on the stage. Um, but uh, so glad to have both of you with uh, with uh, me, uh, Pete and Jerry. You're both from Indiana Jones Minute. You want to give a little uh, uh, tease on on uh, how people can uh, find that?
4: Uh, yeah, you could uh, just. Be- I find it's the same place you find Almost Famous Minute. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just wherever you download your podcast, just type in Indiana Jones Minute. And we kind of do the same thing Eric's doing here. Uh, Mm -hmm. We talk about all the Indiana Jones movies one minute at a time. All of them? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All of them, actually.
2: All of them.
0: Yeah, you've you've definitely
4: completed the the initial classic three. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now we're going to... Yeah, we're just about to dive into the. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't even know what qualifier to use. <laughs> I'll just say the fourth <laughs> one.
2: <laughs> dive. That's the verb. Dive. <laughs> no.
0: Okay. Well, um, you'll both be able to come back on uh, on Wednesday here from minute twenty nine. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Uh, until then, it's all happening.
2: It's all, all happening. happening. <clears throat> <clears throat> Mm. I am a golden god!
1: Hi, I'm Cindy Howes. Basic Folk is my podcast featuring honest conversations with folk musicians.
3: A crisis is actually kind of exhilarating. You know what to do. I unplugged from the internet. I walked every day, even if it was five below. Uh, One day I walked. I hope you had a good pair of gloves. I did. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Can you talk about Bob Dylan? I can. Uh, How you met him and your favorite memory of him? Well, you're not going to get that one. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast fosters the folk music community and showcases a genre that is often misunderstood. Ironically, basic folk features complex conversations about the human experience witnessed from an artistic angle. Whatever I was telling myself in terms of like, oh, it's like important for me to like just keep my personal life and my career separate. No matter how you kind of justify it, there's something that's not good for you. The psychological buildup over time, even of just like having, to check myself in conversation that's just like not healthy how do you approach both of these like very straight worlds as a musician and as a human being who doesn't fit those stereotypes
3: i'm on a rainbow colored unicorn (laughs) flying at them and they they don't know what to do with me but i'm there like a little bee (laughs)
1: our definition of folk is extremely broad so you'll hear interviews from katie tunstall livingston taylor amanda shires and many more on basic folk available wherever you get your podcasts or at cindyhouse.net basic folk is part of the pantheon podcast group thanks for listening okay bye